What is going on, guys? This is Brendan Burns, and welcome to The Brendan Burns Show. Join me as I interview, dissect, and share the stories of high performers who have created the life that they deserve on their terms. I sit down with speakers, professional athletes, and successful entrepreneurs from all over the world who have chosen to live a life of fulfillment and joy over status and money. In each episode, I share actionable strategies that you can implement in your life, plus inspiration along the way. So come join me for this episode of The Brendan Burns Show. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us today is Shauna Galligan. Shauna grew up an athlete and played competitive soccer for nearly 20 years. She joined a world traveling soccer team and during that time sustained a traumatic brain injury and decided to travel to China for alternative healing. After 30 days of studying healing, she came back 100% healed. Inspired by Eastern medicine, she began a massage practice and then decided to transition to Western medicine and became an EMT which led her to become a set medic for a TV show in 2008, where she discovered the world of stunts. Shauna has been one of Hollywood's leading stunt women for more than a decade, performing all over the world in the biggest budget action blockbuster movies and doubled some of Hollywood's leading ladies. After shooting Avengers Infinity War and Endgame for nearly three years in Atlanta, Georgia, she fell in love with the area and moved there in 2017 with her son, Kyson. Shauna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That is quite a story that we get to unpack today. Yeah, and that's that's the very short version. <laughs> yeah, well, let's just kind of start from the top. How did you sort of originally, where did you grow up and how did you get into um, athletics and soccer? Uh, well, I grew up in LA uh, and spent some time in Florida as well. So kind of back and forth between LA and Florida quite a bit. Uh, I think my dad got me a skateboard when I was two or three years old and just, I, if there was a ball somewhere from a very young age, that's where I was. doesn't matter if I was kicking it and throwing it. I just, I love to play. Uh, and then I finally got into soccer at age five and I started playing on all the boys teams. And finally, when they kicked me off the boys teams, when I was like 11 or 12, they're like, you got to play on the girls teams. So between skateboarding and soccer uh, and then football and basketball and with all my guy friends constantly, I was just, I was a super hyperactive kid, uh, which I found out this year that it was actually ADHD that I've had all my life. <laughs> but everything I get paid for now, I got in trouble for as a kid. So it kind of all worked out. Yeah, this is proof that what they tell you you're not allowed to do when you're a kid, you can actually monetize as an adult. Right. As long as you follow the passion and the burning desire to do something in your heart, like you're, it's not going to lead you astray. And that burning desire was just to always play and make up crazy things, uh, jumping off the roof or how to get hit by a car, you know, all the things you shouldn't teach a kid, but it was already kind of there. But so it's in my blood. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So um, if you're open to talking about it a little bit, definitely don't want to make it the focus of uh, the podcast, but um, would be curious to hear a little bit about kind of what happened and the injury and definitely the healing process as well. 
Yeah. Um, so I've been a soccer player, competitive soccer player for 15 years. Uh, you get lots of concussions. Uh, I had a golf club go through my head when I was six uh, and the doctor said it didn't affect my brain. Well, when I had my final head injury in Spain, I came back and uh, I was super depressed. All the symptoms of a traumatic brain injury, I really struggled with suicidal thoughts for a long time. And in my early 20s, moving in and out of my mom's house a lot, uh, she said, something's not right. So she brought me to get a brain scan at Dr. Amon's clinic. I think he only had one in San Diego at the time. This is 20 years ago. And uh, he took a brain scan and he said, well, you can, I see that there's a hole in your head and you have a cracked skull and all the concussions around your brain. Uh, he said, school must've been difficult. And it's like, oh my gosh, yes. I thought it was dumb this entire time. And so he said, well, you have two options. You can either take medication for the rest of your life or if you eat these foods, take these vitamins and meditate 20 minutes a day, your brain will start to heal itself after a year. And growing up in a holistic household, I obviously went with a more natural way. And later that week, my mom had a Qigong master from China come into her yoga studio. And she told him my story and he said, well, send her to China with me next week. I'll have her healed in 30 days. So what every loving mother would do is she would send her China with a complete stranger <laughs> and off to China I went and I called it Harry Potter camp because what I saw and what I learned there was everything that we hold as individuals. Um, it's their intention, it's their visualization, it's through realization everything that we create inside of our our head basically our thoughts and feelings and all of that stuff goes into your qigong practice and all of my qigong masters which we studied in uh buddhist temples all over north china have you seen the movie dr strange uh, I've seen him show up in other movies. I haven't seen the Doctor Strange one. You have to watch at least the first Doctor Strange. Okay. That is my story. We use our hands to cultivate our energy or our chi. And it's a slow moving meditation. And we did it 15, 16 hours a day. And I saw people. I, I haven't talked about this except for when I spoke to high school kids last week I said you know what screw it I'm just gonna tell you guys how it is as one day I was sitting at breakfast and there's this qigong master sitting next to me he was my age he's in his early 20s and he pushed a spoon across the table without touching it call me crazy but it is what it is and uh and they were receptive uh but anyway I came back from China 30 days later and had another brain scan and you could not tell I had a traumatic brain injury or a hole in the front of my head. So it's the power. So I came back and I thought, Oh my gosh, I learned the secrets to the universe and how to heal yourself. And there, no one has to suffer. Nobody has to you know, go through all this pain. And I thought, how in the world can I teach this? I thought, I know. I'll become an EMT and I'll work in the ambulance. I'll work in the ER and I'll teach people Qigong so they can heal themselves. Well, that's not exactly how it pl played out, but in my head, it was really cool. 
But 20 years later, now I get to share my story and motivate and help inspire people to think beyond what the limitations that we put on ourselves. Yeah. I definitely want to hear more about the meditation, but I'm also curious, did, did changing your diet and what you eat help at all with this process? And if so, what did you start to eat more of and less of? Yeah, it's a great question. Yes, 100% diet is the way to complete healing. So a lot of it was back then, gluten really wasn't talked about. Uh, so that's something I should have cut out of my diet, but I didn't. But what heals the brain, blueberries and sweet potatoes. And so I made sure I had blueberries. It's the purple stuff in the skin of the blueberry that actually can um, regenerate the the brain tissue and all everything that goes on in the brain big words aren't my thing but that's basically the gist of it <laughs> and same with sweet potatoes so i just made sure i ate a lot of that and then in china where we were uh everything is or as organic i mean the carrots were like feet long like not one foot long it was like three or four feet. it was like the craziest vegetables ever so i had such a pure diet there nothing no gmos or chemicals uh, no gluten. So I think that was a really big thing too. Wow. Yeah. That sounds powerful. And I'm curious <clears throat> to go back to the meditation. I mean, especially if you were doing it for that many hours per day and it had that significant of a healing impact on you, could you share a little bit about what it looks like or sounds like to go through that experience? Because obviously it sounds extremely powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. And it's very like, we, it's, it's powerful and it's painful because you have to stand there. I stood there for hours upon hours upon hours, but once you can break that barrier of your thoughts and is this going to work? It's like the explosion of the energy that you bring in to heal is powerful. So what basically it is, is you start with a visualization and my Qigong master, he spoke very broken English, but he basically would uh, describe with our eyes closed to visualize as far out as we could see in front of us, behind us, and to either side. So our consciousness is expanding while our eyes are closed. And then he would say, now look up and and visualize a thread connecting to the back of your head all the way up into the Milky Way, up into our galaxy, and visualize your energy and your consciousness just going up into that space. And can you imagine if we were just floating in space, the energy, what the energy would look like there, just the space and the, the big planets, if we could see them all around us, like it's a super crazy ayahuasca trip through visualization. So he would get, he would have us pretend and um, that we are able to gather all of that energy and bring it back down into our body. And then we would start our, uh, our Qigong practice. Um, and so a lot of it was visualization and intention and focusing and surrounding what we wanted to heal with white light and visualizing all of that energy we just brought down from the Milky Way of just saturating it with love and healing and everything that comes with it. So it's really manipulating energy and 
that's what we're capable of doing. I mean, Tesla said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And that's basically what it was. Wow. What kind of applications can you, I'm assuming kind of anything, but you know, obviously you were able to get free from the brain injury through this process. What other people, what other challenges, injuries, mental, physical, emotional, did you see get healed through this process? either when you were going through then or, or since then? Yeah. I mean, everything ranging from a tumor, can stage four cancer, uh, depression. Uh, there's one lady there with IBS. I mean, everything. So actually why I was there, there is this three-year-old who had a tumor the size of a softball wow. uh, right on his inner thigh and for seven days straight, the Qigong masters are rotating uh, shifts of doing Qigong on him. And so he had seven straight days of a Qigong master pouring this energy into him. And it shrunk by 75% in seven days. Wow. So the thing, though, is they have to study underground because it's illegal there. Just like the cure for cancer here in the United States is also illegal. So that's why people go to other countries. So, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, so this type of meditation is illegal in China. Yeah. People could go to jail because uh, they, the government doesn't want them. It's the oldest practice in the Eastern culture and it, you know, it works. I came back with being able to heal my brain with my mind. So I mean, yeah, so we were, I mean, we were so far removed from cities and we were at the top of Mount Umei, which was the tallest point in China. And so they were safe up there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then how did, um, I'd love to hear the story of, you know, you're working as an EMT and then you became a set medic. I'm curious that process of learning more about um, stunts and, and the transition from being an EMT to that, that part of your life. Yeah. Uh, so being an EMT was interesting. I got to see a lot of firsthand issues in the Western world of medicine, uh, being in the ER and doctors just not really caring that much and patients either dying or having, you know, just, just, I mean, uh, medical malpractice in the uh, United States is the number third cause of death in our country. And so it got so frustrating. I, I knew that wasn't going to be the answer for the rest of my life. And so uh, when my friend called to be on set to cover him as a set medic, I thought, yes, that sounds great. So I brought my soccer ball and my skateboard to work with my medic bag on my back. And and I mean, I made the worst set medic ever because I was either skateboarding or playing soccer with the catering guys. Like I just didn't sit still. And I was there for 20 hours a day because uh, I was the first one there and the last one to leave and uh, six days, five, six days a week. And so the producer came up to me, a producer came up to me and he said, if you get hurt, who's going to take care of us? And I thought, ah, I've been doing this my whole life. I'm fine. He's like, well, you should be a stunt woman. And I'm like, what? What's a stunt woman? So he showed me a YouTube video of uh, the stunt woman running across a, a ledge uh, on a mountain and jumping off onto a moving semi-truck. And at that moment, I knew I found my purpose in life. 
I was meant to get injured for people's entertainment. So <laughs> I, uh, they, I, I happen to be SAG already. So you have to be SAG to be a stunt person, uh, which is a Screen Actors Guild union. And usually that's the hardest part for people to get, uh, to be able to get in the industry. But I happen to be SAG um, as I did a Kodak commercial when I was like, my gosh, my dog's just decided to bark. <laughs> no worries. I have a long-haired chihuahua downstairs, and she has caused probably podcast pauses, restarts. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Oh, my it. gosh. That's hilarious. Okay, so you feel my pain. I'm like, oh, really? This time. Um, so, yeah, because I'm on the taller side, there's not a lot of tall stunt women. I'm 5'9". Uh when I started training networking, they're like, oh, we need a tall stunt girl for this or this or this. So 14 years later, I'm barely walking, but I'm still hitting the ground. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was going to ask you, um, you know, how do actors decide if they're like, what percentage of actors or actresses actually do their own stunts? And how do they, what does that process look like of deciding if they're going, is that the thing? Like, does nobody do their stunts anymore? I remember like Jackie Chan did all his stunts and Tom Cruise would do some of them. Yeah, well, Jackie Chan's basically a stuntman, so right. he's allowed to. Now, the <laughs> thing is, it's not that they want to. I mean, if you gave the opportunity to 90% of the actors would say, I would do my own stunts, but uh, you know, movies aren't going to be insured if they do their own stunts because if they get injured, they can't replace them. As a stunt right. person, get injured, you know, we can be replaced on the unfortunately we're expendable so uh i would say uh tom no one liked doubling tom cruise because he always wanted to do his own stunts and he always trained just as hard as the stuntman if not harder to be the best at that stunt and so no one liked doubling him because they never got to actually do the stunts he did them all right. but other than that no one wants any actor to do their own stunt. Uh, like, for example, I was coordinating a movie uh, last year or earlier this year, and the actor just had to run across the grass and jump onto the fence, and then they were going to cut, and then we we're going to have the stunt double to do the same action, but then climb over the fence. Mm -hmm. Well, she slipped before even getting to the fence and gave herself a concussion. And this is on grass, like, and it's like, that's why they, and they had to push it to another day, which cost them a lot of money. And, uh, there was just, there was one of those things where you just couldn't do anything because she just made a funny, funny trip. So yeah, a lot of <laughs> long answers, just long, uh, they all want to do their own sense, but they, they don't train for it. So it doesn't even read that well on camera. So Got it. Yeah, I guess the question was like, is it, was it, and is it still a thing where it's like some of the actors are like tough guys and prove, yeah, I'm going to do my own stunt. It sounds like due to the logistics and, and financial insurance ramifications, it's just not even a thing. And pretty much everyone has stunt doubles at this point. Oh, everybody. Like even getting into a car and backing up, you'll require a stunt double. Um, some actors that cause a fit, are like, no, I'm doing my own stunts. Then, you know, the director and the stunt coordinator be like, okay, well, let's just let him do his own stunts. And then once he leaves set, we'll do the whole thing over with the, the stunt double, but <laughs> put him in a harness. We're not going to put him on fire, light him on fire. Like, we'll just make 
and you know it's like I mean I love the actresses sometimes it's like you know you gotta treat them like a little kid you're like oh yeah you could totally do that then once they're gone like all right let's set it up yeah so what is the craziest stunt that you've ever done um I mean I crazy stunt to some people would be like different in my opinion so I don't know it's really hard to say never been lit on fire on a motorcycle jumping off a building like that would be crazy but um I mean I've dropped down 80 foot elevator shafts uh which you know so many things could have gone wrong uh I've been lit on I, when I was on the walking dead about two three years ago I did 13 full body fire burns and uh, I was only supposed to like two or three and then they're like well let's do this well, let's do this one of this and then just kind of added up but not only was I full body fire burn but I had two once I fell and died I had two guys that were on fire fall on top of me so when thing to me that's crazy because there's so many elements that could go wrong it's not just a cut and dry thing it's like well if this guy doesn't extinguish and I start burning and I'm on the bottom then yeah, I could die. And so to me, that's probably the most dangerous. But, um, you know, every time I go to work, I know I'm going to get hurt. It just depends on how bad I'm going to get hurt. So it's just a mentality. It's, it's wow. stupid. No, that's, <laughs> that's wild. Um, what, what was it like to be on fire? I love getting lit on fire. It's, uh, not something that your brain could really digest or comprehend what's going on because it's not normal. Mm -hmm. And so the fear aspect isn't even there because my brain is just like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so, and I love being on fire too, because, uh, you know, there's things like you can't breathe. And if there's a slight, if you're outside and there's a slight bit of wind, then you can maybe take a slight breath. And I like to see how long I can burn without actually burning, which is usually like 20, 25 seconds. Like you don't really, can't really burn that long. Uh, but I love uh, driving too, even though I haven't driven in a while. So I'm out of, well, when I used to drive, uh, I worked on a show uh, general hospital out in LA mm -hmm. and right out of driving school, a son called me and he's like, Hey, can you work on general hospital? You just have to do a sliding 90 around this water tank. And I'm like, yeah, that's super easy. Well, when I get there, not only am I doing a sliding 90 around this water tank, but it's on a pier. So we can't slick down the cement. And I had to land in between four actors on either side of my car. So they were basically my cones. And then there was three cameras set up. And I was like, bro, this is like super advanced. So I ended up doing it two times, nailing it twice. But um, like that's all, this to me is like, okay, well, a lot of people can get hurt. <laughs> so it just depends. When, when do shows or movies like, use visual effects as opposed to actually doing the thing like i feel like lighting someone on fire is pretty intense maybe there's enough safety and procedures in place where it's it's not a problem yeah. but do they ever consider like yeah instead of like lighting everyone on fire maybe we'll just like photoshop it in um they don't because it looks too fake okay you can't really do fire that actually looks like fire Mm -hmm. um i mean if there's like a big building explosion and it's just not practical to ex 
you know, make a big building go on fire, then they'll use fire there. Um, let's see, extra CG stuff would be like gunfire stuff. You know, if you see those, wonder the when you're shooting the gun and the sparks go at the end, sometimes that's in there. Um, those high action movies, um, sometimes car stuff, but usually that's pretty realistic when, um, I mean, that's usually done in real life, not in the cartoon world, which most directors are like, can you do this? Or like, yeah, we could if it was a cartoon, but a lot of um, the car flips and things like that, they're all real. I don't know. It's the only thing that becomes CGI is a lot of the Marvel stuff uh sometimes they'll turn us into we'll do mocap and our movements are actually our movements we're just a cartoon character basically like thanos or spider-man suit or iron man suit that's all cg right um what was it like to be on set and be a part of you know a multi-hundred million dollar movie uh you know mentally just like learning how to adapt to some of hollywood's biggest stars and the scenes and all that like what was that transition like for you maybe not a transition but you know like, yeah yeah it was uh it was it was i remember my first day so we prepped uh say avengers infinity war um we started prepping that we had like three months of prep. So starting to break down all the fights and wire gags and things like that. And I remember when they started shooting, they called me in for a makeup test to make sure the makeup looks good in the lighting. And uh, so I got full costume, full makeup, which the makeup took about three hours. I was doubling Nebula, which is a blue character. And I remember them calling me to set to test the lighting on my makeup and and the directors the Russo brothers were chatting so they didn't see me walk on and I walk on set and there's Star Lord there's Drax there's um uh the um Mantis and there's a Spider-Man and I just walk up and I remember uh Drax looks at me um Dave Batista and he's like you're not Nebula <laughs> like he knew I wasn't Karen right and uh, so, um, Chris Pratt, so many yeah. Chris's show, Chris Pratt looks at me, he's like, Hey, let's play prank on the Russo brothers. And, and Nebula and Shauna will just be here, part of our scene. And let's see how long we could do it without them noticing. Right. And they're in a huddle and they're trying to figure out, you know, Thanos and I'm just standing there and, oh, um, Robert Downey Jr. is there too. And he's standing next to me and he put his arms around me. He's like, so Nebula, what do you think? And I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> anyway, amazing. So cool right now. Um, so being at that level with just great people and great actors, there's nothing that really can like prepare you for for those experiences because they're just so surreal just as a stunt person not an actor it's um uh, i mean i've had so many experiences like that on avengers so it's just so cool yeah really i mean I, I think it's amazing and i'm not even the hugest like i've seen the movies but i could imagine like some super fans hearing the story like oh my god you know so that's super cool do you feel like um 
there was anyone in particular from any, any movie you've shot or even Avengers that you felt like you had a, a deeper connection to, or you were able, like, you could just feel their like vibe and energy was really, really amazing. Yeah. I mean, every, every movie ha- movies has their, their moments of, uh, uniqueness, but I, I, I going back to Avengers because I was on it for so long. I mean, it was a three year shoot. Um, I mean, I had breaks here and there, but uh, some days I was with the Hulk. So Mark Ruffalo and I would just sit around the entire day just talking about chickens and and farm life. And you know, he was, we built that bond and the connection because we got to be there all day. Do, and then it was just us too. I was di- doing dialogue for um, Captain Marvel for Brie Larson because she couldn't be there. And then other days it would be, uh, you know, other characters so it uh i think one of my favorite humans of all time that if everybody could be like her in the film industry it'd be a much better place and uh it's Britt marlene uh she did the oa she does a lot of writing directing uh acting and she's just incredible human so if no one's seen the oa it's phenomenal there's only two seasons but it's so good wow that's very cool I just, I think it's interesting too, like Avengers is this sexy, amazing, multi-hundred million dollar budget, grossed a billion plus box office globally. And you watch it and it's what, two hours, two, maybe three. And the amount of time that goes into it on the back end, like, you know, the, the non-glamorous side of Hollywood that these, you know, you yeah. and Mark Ruffalo are just sitting there for hours and makeup is so many hours. And it's, it's cool to hear about the kind of other side of it um you know that you must have exposure to and i'm sure it impacts the way you think about the arts and when you go see a movie or uh engage in tv like i'm I'm sure it's different for you knowing kind of what's behind the scenes yeah yeah sometimes i'll watch a movie i'm like dang that had to take him at least three months to shoot that one minute scene so yeah when i break down each movie or dissect each movie that i see um when I think about it or trying to explain it to people, I'm like, this is what they did here. And yeah, it makes you appreciate the art too, knowing how hard each department works. I mean, uh, lighting and the grips and, you know, all the crew members, they're on their feet the entire shoot. Like they don't sit down unless they're eating. So if we're shooting a 15, 16 hour day, they're there 16, 17 hours a day, just running around trying to get the lights the right way. And, you know, the grips running around trying to build stuff. Like it's just so much goes into it. And, uh, and so you, it, I mean, just like anything and as a professional athlete and watching another professional game, all the hard maneuvers or whatever it may be, just really appreciate it. So it's different. Yeah. Is there either a stunt person specifically, or maybe even a scene that you have the most appreciation for as being extremely challenging, wild, or you have a lot of respect for? Oh man, so many, but off the top of my head, the very first one that comes off that I know everybody, uh, so, you know, in Mission Impossible, when uh, Tom Cruise jumps out of that building at the really, really, like it's, hundreds and hundreds of feet up in the air uh i remember the stunt team saying that they had mad respect for tom cruise for actually doing that because most stunt people wouldn't have um a lot of driving sequences 
I would say, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm the, I'm really bad at remembering. I, I just, I just did a Google on this. So this is Tom Cruise jumping out almost like bungee jumping out of this massive building. Yeah. And that's, that's all real. Like it wasn't green screen. It was real life. He's just running down the side of this building. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Wild. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, I was going to ask what, what do you feel like are the biggest things you've learned just about yourself is having these life experiences being a stunt person? Um, one thing I've learned is it's really hard on families. <laughs> I've been a single mom, uh, for the last nine years. So, uh, you know, I always mad respect to all the stunt people that can work <laughs> and hold down the fort at the same time. Uh, but one thing I've, the more you become people person, because the gift of gab is really how you're going to be taken movie to movie or show to show, because people want to be able to, uh, work with somebody that's relatable, personable. And so that's one of the things that I used to be the shyest person on the planet and being in this industry has made me a people person. And I love talking sometimes a little too much now. Uh, I, lo I, I love learning the art of just how movies are made. It never gets old. And now that all the, everything's evolving and it's, I mean, here at Trilla Studios in Atlanta, Georgia has the only stages in the entire world where you can shoot an entire movie on one stage because of the, um, it's almost like walking, if you made yourself really small, it, it's like walking into an Oculus, into those, um, oh my gosh, I'm totally blue. You know what I'm saying, yeah, right? Yeah, I got you. It's called the virtual reality. Yeah, and they, VR. Yeah, the VR, there we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's just so much. No, that's, that's awesome. Um, well, it's been awesome to dig into this and hear more about your story. I think you know, kind of one of the last questions I would ask is, you know, all these life experiences you've had being an EMT stunt person, stunt woman, athlete, the healing that you've gone through with your brain and, and, and what you've experienced through that. What kind of advice would you give to people? I mean, a lot of our listeners I'm sure are going through something in their life. Maybe, maybe it's a physical injury. Maybe it's a mental, spiritual, emotional thing. Like, what kind of parting wisdom would you encourage them to take on or as they go forward? I would, I would have to say if we could look past our limitations of really believing that anything is possible and, and visualizing every little detail of where they want their life to be your life will eventually match that vision because again, our life is energy, vibration, and frequency. And if we can keep our vibration in the state of joy or just uplifting that can constantly lift somebody else up, we're only going to get that back. And I think from going into working on some of the biggest movies in Hollywood from just being on my bathroom floor, wanting to end my life. I mean, just by our thoughts change everything and being able to 
be in control of our thoughts. It's another muscle, but our thoughts create our reality and being able to go to the basics and believe even the simplest of things go the furthest. That's how I keep creating and manifesting everything in my life is still that still everything I learned in China. Wow. I think it's amazing that your mom was cool with it. You know, like some parents. Sometimes I wonder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Maybe it wasn't um, for the right reasons as a joke. No, no, no. I was really kidding. I I just, being as a mom and sending my kid to China, be like, well, I'm going to go too to make sure my child's safe. (laughs) But I think she just had so much trust that, uh, she wasn't worried one bit. That's good. Well, Shauna Galligan, thanks so much for coming on the show. If people are interested in um, either learning more about you or connecting with you, is there any website, social media, or place they can find you? Yeah, they can find me on uh, Instagram right now. I'm I'm rebuilding my uh, website, but uh, as of now, anybody can reach me out on Instagram, which is Shauna Lynn Galligan, and uh, yeah be happy to talk with anybody anybody about anything awesome well thanks so much for sharing your story for being so open and for inspiring people today i really appreciate it and i hope you have a great weekend all right thanks so much brendan yep take care all right bye thank you for tuning in to another episode of the brendan burns show if it's your first time here please make sure to subscribe on the apple podcast app or in spotify also please leave us a rating or written review This helps others learn about the show and spread the word to new and more people. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.